as people, we need to give more permission for others to fail and not be so quick to judge ourselves or others. And at the same time, look for the silver lining. What was the thing that pushed him over the edge? For me, it was generosity. For me, it was an open hand, not a closed fist. It was, for me, it was the deposits that I made in some, you know, existential uh, investment account of content marketing that allowed me to actually connect on a world view and bond level with someone who lived down the street that got me through the first three months of the pandemic. So those are the unique factors that I think it's just like, be a good person, do the right thing, show up every single day and be a, somebody who's going to be willing to contribute and show up. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm serial entrepreneur and investor, Emmy Kirshner. And I'm known for sprinkling just a little bit of glitter throughout the streets of Philadelphia and on the stages that I speak while I help creative entrepreneurs stop struggling as the overworked admin in their business and become the CEO of their multi-six and seven-figure businesses. What has fascinated me over the years are the stories of success and failure that courageous entrepreneurs who have put it all on the line face as they change lives, disrupt industries, and become incredible leaders themselves. So if you're looking for a community of engaged entrepreneurs, and you'd love to get some resources and tools that can help you fast track your business, I invite you to join the Tribe of Leaders Facebook group. The link is in the show notes if you want to connect with us. And of course, the group is free to join. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so super excited to have today's guest on my show again. Nick Cavuto was originally on episode 43. So if you have not listened to that, I'm going to actually say stop this one and go listen to the first one because his story and his background is so incredible. But I have him back on the show today because Nick made an incredible pivot when COVID started. And just to give you a little scope and idea of who he is, Nick believes that the future of business centers on relationships and authentic connection. This refreshing approach has made him a sought after mentor, which is so true people. He is like the wisest guy on the planet. And he helps today's top experts, thought leaders and influencers. So Nick, thank you so much for being on the show and welcome back. Thank you, Emmy. Yeah, this is, you have an amazing community. I got so much love from the first episode as well. And so thank you again for having me back. I'm super, super glad to be here. Yeah, I can hardly wait to hear your story. Like we just talked like a, a tiny smidgen. So tell everybody like what you were doing pre-COVID and what happened, because this is what makes like true entrepreneurs really amazing and leaders. Yeah. So kind of reversing the timeline a little bit in 2019 in, in March, it's March is a funny month, it seems, but in March of 2019, I had a partner split. We were running an agency and uh, we were serving elective practitioners primarily. And it's just because we got really well known in that industry. It wasn't intentional. I was coming out of, you know, the startup world in 2017. And, you know, so for a few years, we were working with elective practitioners and things were going really well. Unfortunately, I had a partner split. And, um, you know, I, 2019 was a year of kind of figuring out what's the next step. I recall being in December of 2019, I had kind of picked my favorite clients. There was about I don't know, 15 of them or so. And I'm like, all right, I'll work with 
these uh, guys and gals who have been with for a while, you know, just kind of slow down a little bit, maybe consider coaching. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but I was safe, you know, like I had, you know, over half a million dollars a year in revenue. And I was working maybe a quarter of the time that I was working previously. So I had time to kind of you know, figure out what my next step was going to be while serving my clients in a really cool fashion. So that was December. I ran a live events based coaching program in Q1 of 2020. We had two events. The third got canceled because COVID came about. I just recall the day that things were announced, travel was shutting down, that basically we were going into a lockdown. And within 48 hours, I had a really thriving coaching business right out of the gate. A lot of people don't know this, but those of you who listened to the first episode, I was a pastor for seven years before I ever got into entrepreneurship or even working with Fortune 500 companies and startups. So spiritual leadership, I was used to business advice and leadership came really easy because it's just like a different audience. But the way that I show up is consistent. So we had 35 clients in our coaching program in the first quarter of the year. And then I also was still retaining the clients that were doing over half a million dollars a year. When the announcements happened, within the next 48 hours, I lost every client besides one. My entire coaching business that I had really believed was the next right step for me that had 35 people in it was predicated on a live event. So the entire infrastructure stopped and every client besides one uh, was an elective, uh, elective practitioner, meaning non-necessary, right? So for, if you guys remember for 60 to 90 days, elective practitioners were actually shut down where they couldn't operate. Um, so it was only like required procedures or emergency procedures. So I guess luck would have it that I'd have two businesses that were hit the hardest by the pandemic. And I lost almost a million dollars in two days of recurring revenue on the year. Which is a little scary. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, my mortgage didn't change. You know, my kids' <laughs> private school didn't change. You know, nobody really cared, right? It's like, right. it is what it is. And I remember arriving to the point of like exactly where I was in 2007 when I had fouled out of college twice, felt like I had no options. And it was seemingly simple to make a, a one small decision to say, you know what? The only thing that I can do right now is I kind of, I have my hands so I can serve. And I remember posting inside of my Facebook community group. So it's a Facebook group, but there's like a thousand houses in our development here in Denver. And I remember posting in the group and just saying like, Hey, I know there's a lot of uncertainty right now for a lot of people. Um, if there's any business owners here who just want to collaborate for six weeks, just to solve any unique problems you're facing in your business, like let's stick together through this. Let's help each other out. We'll do it virtual over zoom. I showed up and served. I didn't try to sell anything. I, I kind of just like said, well, it is what it is. I know what life's like with nothing. I know what life is like with a lot. And I'm not motivated by, you know, the KPIs of generating a lot of revenue. I'm motivated by being able to help people. And I just had to kind of shut off the scarcity valve and go like, you need to serve. That was one of the most critical yet intuitive decisions that I've probably ever made in my life was to start that group. We had nine business owners who showed up. I found uh, my mentor, my personal mentor and business mentor inside of that group. He runs a $50 million e-commerce business. Most of the other people either were high-level entrepreneurs and or corporate executives. So I ended up gathering a few clients out of there to make it through a few months, then was able to start retooling, you know, what the future would look like. Mm -hmm. It was a very uncertain time. And one of the things that I always try to encourage people with when your challenge is really high, 
and your perceived skill or ability to solve the problem is really low. That's what we call anxiety. It's like, I got to solve it all in a day. I'm so uncertain. I don't know what the future is going to look like. Right. And I did make a conscious decision to go into the mode of generosity and to give like truly when I had nothing to give besides like having better as an open hand than a closed fist, I will release whatever I have because I know if I grip too tight, like I won't be able to receive. It ended up being a massive uh, blessing that has turned 21, 2021 rather into a banner year already of what's coming. So what I'm really curious about is I presume that you didn't go from clients and successful business to, all right, I'm going to give and start this mastermind and have no expectations in a few minutes. So what happened in between? Because there's a process there where you decided not to, and what I refer to as just peace out, like a lot of entrepreneurs you know, chose to or were forced to, and you could have gotten a job or could have done something different or closed your business and not showed up and just given everything that you, you did. Yeah. I mean, I was offered a $300,000 a year job and I turned it down. Like the interesting thing is like with my background and with my CV, if you will, it would have been very easy for me to go get a job, but entrepreneurs are the worst employees ever. Oh yes. Like ever. (laughs) It just doesn't work. Right. And so I had that realization that it's, it's out of integrity to go do that because it's very self-serving. And I just, I didn't, I don't know. I mean, you got to think, I have three kids. I have a fourth on the way. It's like to make that decision, knowing that I'm potentially putting my family at risk and, and placing entrepreneurship and alignment ahead of real practical needs. It was, a, it was a hard decision, but I think it comes down to understanding vision and calling and mandate and what God has called you to do. And if those of you who are believing in something greater, that's more divine, that has a lot more attached to your world besides that you're just here on accident and you know, you're just going to kind of float through life. I just don't believe that. So for me and my belief system, which is attached to my story, it's that I'm here for a reason. And you know, you'll never achieve uh, incredible feats without a massive amount of challenge. That's why 98% of people don't make it through entrepreneurship. You have to erase plan B. And you know what? I held my breath and crossed my fingers. It's not the first time that I've had to do that. And, you know, I just allowed the cards to play out. There was a very odd sense of peace in not knowing because generosity to me is the thing that clears it. It's like, it's staying excited while also releasing expectations. That is what gets you into generosity much quicker. I remember like sitting there with my wife and just going like, I don't know, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. I don't know what the solution is. A lot of times we get stuck in the how, like, how am I going to achieve? How am I going to solve? And if you grab too tight, it's just really challenging. So I made the decision to focus on the who and not the how. Who can I help? Who can I collaborate with? Who can I call? Who can I reach out to? Instead of focusing on how am I going to solve the problem? And again, that was one of the best intuitive decisions that I made in the process, undoubtedly. Absolutely. And I totally agree with you because that how is what keeps you like grinding away into nothingness. Like there's no solution in those moments in the how. You just have to make the decision to trust your gut and move forward or not. Yeah. And it's long-term, you know, long-term strategy creates short-term opportunity. And I had to go, this is going to pass. 
is, you know, over time, no matter how long it takes, like this is not gonna be this way forever. A lot of people were frozen. I have a lot of really great friends and mentors in the, you know, online space. And this is not the first rodeo of having a big dropping moment. We had it in 2008, 2009. I mean, there's, these things happen. So I think we have to be compelled again by something greater, whether that's calling or whether that's, you know, knowing what our mission is and, mm -hmm. and truly knowing that like in seven years, it'll probably happen again. So, so how are, how are we going to plan and strategize and be more clear because there's always feast and famine, you know, it's like, there's always the seasonality of like the harvest and the seed planting. Right. And so, you know, I just had to buckle down and I did gratefully have people who came alongside me to help and, and push me through some different seasons. And they also got a great reward of hiring me as a consultant in their company because I don't do that work anymore. And so, you know, when you got to kind of figure it out, I had enough to figure it out with my clip rate within two weeks. I went, you know, from multi five figure income per month into 4k guaranteed, and then had to make up the gap between my clip rate. And it's just asking, you know, honestly, some people were winning significantly at that time in April, May, June, you know, when, when some businesses were, you know, uh, about to close, some people were like quadrupling their business. So yeah, I mean, my mentor, his company went from 19 million to 50 million through COVID. And so he offered me a job like every week. And I'm like, not unless, you know, I, I literally, you know, I'm on my, on my last leg, you know, and uh, it was grateful to know that there was an opportunity there, but I told him to stop offering it because I just knew that like, I needed to double down and focus without having an easy way out. I wanted to take the harder road and prove it to myself that I could make it through that scenario. And that, that makes you bulletproof in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and I love that you're saying that there's always a downturn coming. Because it's true, like it doesn't necessarily look the same or experience the same, but it's not a flat road ever. And there's always going to be twists and turns. And I think it's what you take from the last experience, what you learned that will help you prepare differently and have less of a fluctuation in the next one. Do you agree or? Yeah, I think failure is guaranteed, especially in entrepreneurship. It's guaranteed. So it's not a, you know, if, but when scenario, and we can't be resistant to that. So we can't like just play defense because we know that's coming. But I think it's like chess. When you make one wrong move, you have to make a couple moves that are really significantly better than your opponent in order to get to the opposite side. And I think that that's what I had to do. I had to think about what is everyone else going to do and how am I going to zig when they zag? And that was kind of, I think, partially to my idea of generosity. It's like, no one's going to actively give right now. No one's going to give without expectation of return. And people are wired to notice what's different. And so when they see that, they're going to be compelled. It's like the whole thank you economy from Gary Vee. They're going to want to give back if you're willing to give a lot. I mentioned this in my, a lot of my training, a lot of my content that, you know, content builds relationships. Relationships build trust and trust is what drives revenue ultimately. One of the guys who hired me for his AI company just for three months, it broke me through a really cool season, was really, really helpful just to consult with his company. As crazy as this is, when we moved to Colorado in 2018, the first person who my wife met, her best friend from high school lives here in Denver. Her brother is the guy who runs the AI company. And she said, hey, there's a guy in your neighborhood. This is right around COVID. There's a guy in your neighborhood who's a really good marketer and like you should check him out. And then he had sent me a message right the week before COVID hit saying, Hey, do you want to grab a drink and some cigars? Come hang out at the house. He lives like 10 houses down from me. 
and I never responded to it. Cause I mean, that's a different, like a week before it's like, ah, nothing to worry about. Well, when that happened, I was like, oh yeah, definitely. And I remember on a Thursday night, I went over to his house and we hung out for a while. And I was like, Hey dude, like on Tuesday, I just lost my entire business. Like, is there a way? And he's like, well, let's talk about it. You know? And a couple of weeks later, we ended up going from April until the end of July or the end of June, first of July, uh, collaborating together. So, you know, this is like on the play of brand equity for leaders is like when you're willing to consistently put out content and it's something that when you're, um, I'll say it this way, like when your message moves people, you'll never have to sell again. Right. His worldview and belief, like we shared so many common beliefs in the process that like when I had to make that shift, that thing pushed me over the edge, but I'd already made the decision two weeks prior to just give without expectation of return. And that's the unique part is like, those are deposits and you never know when you're going to have to call on those or who's watching. I had no idea this guy was watching, but he was. And the way that I showed up through my content is ultimately what actually like saved my family. And that's, that's a huge realization in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. So what, what's the magic in how you show up in your content? Like what could people do differently if, the, if all of these pieces are connecting for them, either for the first time or newly in a different way where they feel like, oh, there's a place for me to level up. Yeah, I mean, you know, the content game is interesting. Um, I, I think you've probably heard this as well as I have, that a lot of people spend their time on social media mindlessly scrolling, right? It's like a mindlessly scrolling through Instagram. I look at that as an opportunity for an interruption. And you know, people who are direct response-based and they're advertising are usually going for the jugular on pain points and problems. And like, they're just really trying to like, all right, well, if someone's mindlessly scrolling, how can I disrupt them by creating FOMO, you know, do next wires. For me, I look at it as an opportunity to, to interrupt with inspiration. Because if you're, if you're mindlessly scrolling, you are so detached from your body and your awareness that like, how do I get people back into a sense of themselves? How can I help increase a greater vision for them or opportunity, or if he can do it, then I know that I can do the same thing. And so a lot of my content is centralized on inspiration, I think for two reasons. Number one, it's just who I am. I'm a significantly high eye on the disc scale, like almost 90%, which is hilarious. It just shows where my weak areas are. Um, but also <laughs> that I have like, a ridiculous superpower that I'm very, very aware of. And so when people are like, well, I don't want to be like that person. I want to be like Tony Robbins or Gary Vee, or, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to show up that way. I don't want to like have that imposter syndrome. I'm like, it's not imposter syndrome for me. Cause it's just literally the way that I am. I've, I've always been that way. So I just don't judge myself in the process of what I create. I just show up authentically as who I am. I'm willing to share vulnerable stories. It's been part of like, Everything that I've done in coaching and entrepreneurship has been off of my failures. Right. I just don't care for someone to see my L. Like me perspectively losing is that's, that's mine to hold on to. If I lost a championship game because I missed a shot, that's me. I don't give a crap what people think about that. I'm obsessed with how do I make sure that next time I make it. So in the same way with my content, I'm disrupting people's current reality by giving them hope. And by giving them inspiration, by fueling and gassing them up to see the world differently, I just don't think that's a losing game. I think judging yourself is. I think having imposter syndrome is. Um, I just don't play that game. So I show up as authentically, even though it's buzzy, as I can by being real and raw. 
And in the process of being real and raw, my content, I have no skeletons in the closet. People don't have to wonder, are you the same person in real life as you are online? I'm like, well, it depends on what real life is because to me, online is more real today than even like what we express ourselves in, in our current reality. So what you see is what you get. And I think people really value that. Yeah, I totally agree. At least for on my end, like my clients get me and sometimes that's great. And sometimes, you know, they won't want to hear what I have to say, but it's very direct and that's what changes the game. But they also, I own when I'm messing up, like that's a lot of stories I share with them. And in my Facebook group too, is I'm not perfect. So I think that yeah, is key. It is absolutely. Because, you know, if they put you on the pedestal, they'll, they'll put you on the cross. Yeah. And that's why being a hero is so dangerous in business, because if you're swooping down to rescue people, guess what? They're victims. So you're starting in a pretty unique spot. If, if someone is going, oh, you're the finally the person, the only person who can, you know, it's, it's a very high non-co-creatorship, very victim-based mentality and victims turn into villains and then they try to antagonize the hero. So my thought process around that is always like through the process of us being honest and taking personal responsibility as our awareness increases, it gives us the opportunity to communicate the things that are good and the things that are challenges. No one needs to have all their crap together because no one does. And if you show up that way, I think it's a, it's actually a brand suicide because if we're always showing perfection and the highlight reel, even though it might attract people uh, from the outside in, the closer they get, the more questions they have, the closer that people get to be, the more that they're just like, I just want to be around you and your community. And so I think failure is actually, and with a redemption story, is the best way to communicate at scale to your audience. Yeah. And I love what you're saying too, because it gets really hard to be perfect all the time. I mean, that's how to set yourself up for failure and not in a way that, not that it's not recoverable, but it's harder to then just be vulnerable. Yeah, it's harder to be real. I've said before that the uh, gurus are dead. They just don't know it yet. It's kind of like they're, you know, it's just a matter of time. And I think there's a lot of people too who will try to show up being real, raw, and authentic, but that will be seen through as well. You know, people's BS meter is at an all-time high. People hate, they intrinsically hate being sold to. And so, you know, I think a lot of the collaboration happening from a leadership perspective, coaching, consulting, or a tribe building mentality is, is really focused on like, think about it this way. There's so many people in our direct lives that we actually connect with better because of a common wound than a common bond. If you think about your deepest relationships, uh, friendships, uh, people who are in your community, it's like, it's the thing that the fracture point is, is actually where it has like a certain level of um, uh, congruence, if you will. Mm-hmm. That allows them to feel like, oh, they understand me because most people haven't gone through what I've gone through. And that creates such a deep bond. And there's an attractiveness to finding someone who's made it out of the opposite side of what you're going through today. And that, that truly is the transformational process. That is a, a big part of why if you're going to show up and just always have everything together, some people will appreciate that on an information-based level. You might be a great article to read. Um, but if you're a coach or a consultant, you need to share the different elements around failure. I mean, I grew up, you know, in church my whole life, 30 plus years, you know, you don't hear many people in spiritual leadership talk about their mistakes. 
Right. And to me, that creates doubt and untrust for everybody else. But if they did, they would also be put on the cross, which is a which is a problematic. The hero always gets crucified. <laughs> so as people, we need to give more permission for others to fail and not be so quick to judge ourselves, ourselves or others. And at the same time, look for the silver lining. What was the thing that pushed him over the edge? For me, it was generosity. For me, it was an open hand, not a closed fist. It was for me, it was you know, the deposits that I made in some, you know, existential uh, investment account of content marketing that allowed me to actually connect on a world view and bond level with someone who lived down the street that got me through the first three months of the pandemic. So those are the unique factors that I think it's just like, be a good person, do the right thing, show up every single day and be a, somebody who's going to be willing to contribute and show up. And I think like the long tail benefit is like, there's always a W as long as you have the ability to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's next for you? Yeah. So I'm in the what's next right now, which has been a lot of fun. So in 2019, my, my sister used to work for Gary Vee. So I have a lot of like unique process and ideation on their different internal things from strategy to execution. So I have a little bit of a, of a leg up there when it comes to content marketing. But in 2019, uh, her and I created a, a process before Gary ever released like here's your 86 ways to you know, create content through all these steps. Mm-hmm. We had already created that, but it was predicated on filming in person. And so uh, when the pandemic uh, arose and later on when I could actually think again, six months later, I was like, okay, now what do I want to create? How can this unique event become the greatest you know, transition point in my life? I said, well, maybe I'll just go back to that ace up my sleeve that I had a while ago and see how it would work. And so in December of uh, 2020, I, I hit up one of my buddies who I worked with over a decade ago. He's super high creative. He went to the best art school in New York. And I was like, hey, man, I'm thinking about doing a daily content production service for online entrepreneurs. I need like a master creative, like a group creative director. Is that anything that would interest you? I hadn't talked to him in probably three years. And I just like DM'd him on Instagram. Um, and he's like, I'm in. And I'm like, he doesn't even have context yet, right? He's just like, I'm in. And I'm like, okay, let's talk today. So I call him. This is like last week in, uh, in December. And I call him and, and I explain the idea to him and talk to him about a three, simple three-step process where we have someone show up to an interview through Zoom. We record the session. We create their content. We're going to create 15 videos and 15 quote cards of their zingers. And then we're going to publish it for them. And I was like, and we're going to do it for a thousand bucks a month. He's like, amazing. Like his whole benefit is he's been in transformational leadership for a decade. He teaches public speaking and he's a hyper creative. So he's like, dude, this is like right up my alley. And, you know, with COVID, everyone's like looking for a side hustle because they like want to protect themselves. So I ended up convincing him to come over to our side and, and kind of reduce some of his hours on the other side. And he, it was just him and I. And in the first week, 15 people said yes to having us create their content. Fast forward now, we have 55 clients at the end of the quarter, 55 clients uh, during Q1. Uh, We have an Emmy award-winning producer who's on our team. She's also our head of strategy. We have nine core team members with 20 extended team members. And we've built a business that's probably by the end of next month going to be a seven-figure agency. And we did it in four months. That is the process of not giving up. I don't care about the resources. Like I said at the beginning, The funny thing is I've had a lot and I've had nothing. I don't feel any different in the process. But what I did recognize is my gratitude was rooted and where I really came alive and felt the most like me over the last 
you know, five or seven years was whenever I was helping someone unlock their story. When I was in ministry, I remember telling my uh, creative team, we had 13 members on our creative team. I said, our job is to tell the greatest stories ever told. That's it. That is our job. That's the North Star. I remember the first interview in person that I ever did in the business context with Ashley Ladder from uh, Manchester in the UK. And he was like, I've been in like public speaking and you know coaching for 25 years. I've never had such a ridiculously amazing interview in my life. And I was just like, oh, it was like literally fish and chips and beer. And he's like explaining this to me as like just this wild experience. But that was the first time I ever had done that in a business context. And he's like, you really have a gift. What's interesting about us as people and, and certainly as entrepreneurs is sometimes we're always obsessed with solving the problem. Therefore, we see our life in a deficit continually. It's like we're always trying to catch up. We're always trying to find the golden goose right? We're always trying to look for that one thing that's going to change everything. And the reality is you have it and it's your perspective. Mm -hmm. And I just finally accepted like, oh, so my greatest gift is to help people unlock their story. I had a guy last week who said, my story has been locked up for 10 years. I have not shared one thing about business failure in the last 10 years. And I know that's the thing that I need to share so I can find myself again. So here I am hiding with a multi six figure income, but like, it's about contribution now. How can I help others put the helmet on, you know, knowing that there's potential that they'll crash down the road. And now he's unlocked. And now he's feeling like he's really finding his authentic voice and he's able to go out and contribute in the world. So that's what we're doing at tenure. It's centralized in the most basic thing that I overlooked for the most amount of time. Yeah, I'm a great marketer. Yes, I'm great at sales and enrollment and all the different things you might look at on paper of what's required to be great in business. But my unfair advantage is my ability to create a space for people to be able to articulate their story and to communicate it with beautiful heart and intent and have a conversation with their audience. I'm the bridge between themselves and the deeper parts of who they are. And the bridge is really the extension then to their audience who can feel the empathy about them actually caring about them winning. And so that's what we do at Tenure. It's really straightforward. We want to unlock and unmute entrepreneurs and specifically online entrepreneurs who are building their business online. That's the heartbeat around what we do. And we make it a no brainer to say yes to we show up to a 60 minute interview for one hour of your time. Every single month, we can produce daily content for you. That's all you have to do. It's one hour. We create it. We publish it. We'll take you from creating maybe eight to 10 pieces of content a month, mm -hmm. and 120, uh, 120 pieces of content a month. And that is the ultimate unleash. When you have 15 times the amount of, you know, reach that you had previously, I think it's a great reward to people who really are doing good things in the world. We only accept good people, by the way. So, <laughs> but I know your tribe is life. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know your tribe is that. And so that's why I'm so grateful to be here. So it's been really fun for me over this last year because I've gotten really honed in who I want to serve even more than before and really making sure that they're creating an incredible ripple effect of impact. Uh, and the one thing that everybody is challenged with is the content because it, unless you're a natural storyteller, it's like pulling teeth. This is, I mean, that's an incredible value add and to have that like taken off your plate for a thousand bucks a month, like that's, hours and I don't even know how many calories of energy burned and thought process <laughs> that, 
<laughs> you know, that's, that's, the, that's the interesting thing. It's there's a money opportunity because we're giving people their time back too. And I, I think that, you know, if someone's spending 20 hours a month creating content, I mean, there, there's a benefit to your audience, but there's just an easier way to do it now. But in addition, now you're going to have those 20 hours to give back to your kids or your spouse or your friends or your clients or your community. And that's what we really see it as. It's just, it's so efficient. So you're saving time and you're saving money and you're saving energy. But the fact that you get your time back is undoubtedly the most valuable part. And then the extraction and the coaching to the extraction, that's like all the fringe benefits of just like, you know, being able to have one hour a month to just solve the problem. It is truly our heartbeat and 10 year brands, like the idea around it is a long-term relationship, which you don't usually get with me. That's the unique part of it. I think that is uh, quite special. We're not doing this for the money. If we were, we would be charging three to five times the amount uh, very simply. But yeah, for those who are a part of your community, as long as they just tell us on, you know, uh, 10 year brands, they say, Hey, Emmy sent me over. I'm part of, you know, tribe of leaders, like really, really simple. We'll hook you up and uh, give you guys a discount and get you rocking. So hundred percent. Awesome. And well, we'll have the link in the show notes too. So easy to find Nick. Nick, you are always so inspiring. I love how grounded you are. Like I can feel your presence and I'm, you know, in Philly. So we're a good jillion miles apart. And that's what's so cool about talking with you. You are so heart-centered and you deliver the results for other entrepreneurs to, as you said, unlock their stories and just make life one step easier for them. Thank you so much. Appreciate that a ton. And you know, in the same way, I think watching your community grow and the way that you've shown up as a leader, you're one of the most consistent people that I know in the coaching space where it's like you have a cadence to what you do and you have a reputation that precedes you. And so I think in the same way, uh, you know, there's a huge benefit for mm -hmm. myself to be able to experience what you're creating in the world. And I know the work that you do with the people in your community is just really powerful. So you know, building an extended family in that way, you know, have you ever heard it, you know, you know, the quality of the parents by the behavior of their kids yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, or the qualities of their kids. And so it's the same thing, like looking at your tribe as a direct reflection of the difference that you're making in the world. So we all celebrate. Oh, thank you. We're so thank grateful. You. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nick, where else can people connect with you besides the website? Yeah. So tenurebrands.com is our site. And for myself, nickcavuto.com, or you can just look up my name, N-I-C-K-C-A-V as in victory. My name means victory of the people. So that's kind of cool that happened. And then U-O-T-O. And you can check me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, basically anywhere and everywhere. So feel free to reach out. And if there's anything that really spoke to you today, feel free to let me know. I think that uh, just that feedback is oxygen in so many ways. And uh, I've started asking for that. And it's really cool to just kind of see the reflection, the stories of others, which are anchors um, to be able to say, Hey, this is a cool thing mm -hmm. that I'll show my kids one day that, you know, how I spent my time contributing in the world. So yeah, appreciate it a ton. awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming back on and it's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Pleasure's mine. Thanks again. Thank you so much for being a listener of the tribe of leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. And I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously 
so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders.